Welcome to WMRE's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at WMRE. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. David, what's going on? Uh, I'm, you know, hanging in there, just getting ready for my move to Pittsburgh, but uh, in my last couple of weeks in New York here and, um, you know, just trying to keep keep the content going in the middle of my relocation. So wow, um, let's nice. uh, let's do our next step. It's, yeah. So so we're here to do another show. Nice. That's yeah, that's fantastic. I did not know you were going to Pittsburgh. So that's news to me. That's that's a big move, man. Yeah, yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll, it has to do with my, my wife's enrolling in the PhD program at, at Pitt. So we are re- relocating. I'll be doing the podcast from, you know, all the content on the podcast from there and starting in a couple of weeks. All right. Sounds good. Well, I know that you've got a guest on the show today, so I'll let you guys get to it. Yeah, we have with us today Rick Schaup, who is the managing director and fund portfolio manager with Clarion Partners. Specifically, we're going to talk about the Clarion Partners Real Estate and Income Fund. So Rick, welcome to the podcast. David, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and I look forward to our conversation. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we just do, you know, before we kind of get into some of the granulars, if you want to take a second to just set the stage here with, you know, Clarion Partners in general, but and, and specifically how, where this fund fit into, you know, the business. Clarion Partners is obviously been around for a, a long time, a great, great service provide, you know, provided a great service fund, a round of funds to uh, institutional investors uh, I, over the years and just got a great track record, but it just would be good to hear a bit about, you know, where, where, where it's at today. Great. would lo- love to jump into that. So yeah, I'm Rick Schaup. I've been a portfolio manager at Clarion Partners for over a decade. And I've been managing Clarion Partners Real Estate Income Fund since its inception about three and a half years ago. Um, Clarion Partners Real Estate Income Fund is really a, a partnership with, with Franklin Templeton, and we work closely with them. Uh, they are the actual manager of the fund, and we are the, the, the real estate sub-advisor focused on in making the investments for the fund, and they also are the distributor. As, as you said, Clarion Partners uh, has been around for a long time. We've been around for 40 years. Uh, we really are the, one of the largest pure play real estate investment managers in the U.S. with over $80 billion of assets under management uh, and 1,400 properties. And historically, we manage really large pension fund separate accounts. And as, as this space has democratized over time, we've been, we started to commingle funds about 20 years ago, allowing for smaller funds to get invested into the private real estate space. And then with our partnership with Franklin Templeton about six years ago, uh, we've continued to diversify our investor base and expand it into the individual investor and the, and the private wealth uh, space as well. And really bringing that institutional platform that we've had for 40 years, just really into a, in a different investor base. And that's, I think, what's really important for us. So Clarion Partners Real Estate Income Fund, 40-act fund that's taxed as a REIT, with direct access into an institutional advisor like ourselves. It's really a simple transparent fund structure that we're we're very excited about. The fund's goal is to provide what we have, what institutions have been able to benefit from core real estate with the income components, low volatility, low correlations, but the fund also has the ability to do some appreciation as well. So it's a balance of income with some capital appreciation over time 
by directly investing into well-leased properties. I know you've had a lot of conversations recently on earlier podcasts about the trends you're seeing in the marketplace, but you know those trends are very similar to what, what we're seeing with, with a focus of industrial warehouses, multifamily apartments, and life sciences. Um, and importantly, this fund has a transparent structure that provides daily values, daily ability to invest into the fund, um, and it is a quarterly tender fund with quarterly liquidity. So happy to dive deeper and, and head where you want to go. Yeah, I guess one you know quick question is how is a 40 act fund different from like a pri- a, a non-traded REIT or an interval fund structure? Great question. So exactly. When we started this about three and a half years ago, the, the next generation of non-traded REITs really launched in around 2017. Those funds are, are monthly valued, monthly redemptions, um, and all require you know paperwork to trade. And so we had seen the interval funds, which there's interval funds in different spaces, but in the real estate space, the interval funds have been around for about a decade or so. And those are mm-hmm. 40 Act funds that are also tender products. So they have a quarterly tender, which means that every quarter the fund offers an amount to be to be basically uh, bought back from the shareholders. And that's how you provide liquidity. Um, the, the, the target similar to the, the non-traded REITs and the interval funds is about 5% per quarter. But historically in the real estate space, those interval funds were fund of funds. And in fact, Clarion as an institutional investor was a big recipient of that capital. So we really took the interval fund structure essentially with a few minor tweaks and provided direct access to Clarion through that, that next generation structure. And again, really that provides a daily ticker you know, low minimum investments. And we think also importantly, the fee structure of one simple management fee with no performance fee. And there's also our leverage constraints with the 40 Act Fund, which we also think is a benefit to the investor. And then in terms of like liquidity, you know, on the other side, how does that work? Like for right. investors so, who are wanting to get out? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, we're, we're trying to always balance an illiquid asset class, right? Private real estate, their buildings, they take time to sell. Um, and we've created a structure that, that attempts to balance, and we think we have illiquid asset class with the ability for investors to have some sense of liquidity. So again, we have a quarterly tender process, and every quarter um, we have to date, and our target is to offer 5% um, liquidity w- within that time frame. Um, in order to provide that liquidity, we have a liquidity sleeve that invests in commercial mortgage-backed securities and residential mortgage-backed securities, and we also have a line of credit which is collateralized by the assets of our fund, which provides liquidity in the short term as well. Got it. And I think, you know, one of the things that is interesting to me about it is just, you know, within some of the stuff that you just touched on, but this idea that providing kind of the same experience or the same kind of assets that an institutional investor would have had to a different kind of investor in, in, in a different kind of a way than just, you know, being able to go buy like shares in a REIT or an ETF or, you know, some, some of the more liquid options. It's a kind of a different flavor that gives access to this real estate that you guys have built a track record on. Correct. And I mean, that was really important to us. We've spent a lot of time, right? 40 years creating a strong business. Um, and, it, and it was really important to be able to bring our expertise. And we think an asset class that, that institutions have been able to benefit from for a number of years to a broader investor base, right? It's We think private real estate is an important strategic component to a portfolio. Again, with the with the low, low volatility, low correlations, if you, if you look at historic data, 
um, and track really core real estate, it, it really can move your efficient frontier up and to the left. That was really important to us, again, to, to bring that platform and, and this, this, this asset class to a, a broader group. And importantly, in the core real estate space, the institutions do not charge incentive fees, and they typically have lower leverage. Most core real estate funds um, are in the 20 to 30% leverage le level. And so, again, it's really important, I think, to have fee alignment correct and leverage levels correct and, and valuation policy that's strong as well. And, and we value every private asset once a month with an independent appraiser. And, and I think that's important too. And we can dive deeper into all these points, but that was an important, you know, fundamental uh, idea behind us uh, creating this fund and expanding into this space. Yeah. If you could talk about that last part about like how that works with the independent valuations and the appraiser, can you just yeah, explain that a bit? Sure. And, and you touched on public versus private. So let me, let me maybe set the table a little bit on the difference between publicly traded REITs and private real estate, and then maybe dive into a little deeper, the valuation policy. So sure. people, I think, often think of real estate as as publicly traded REITs because those are you know very easy to buy. In fact, you can go online and type a ticker in and, and purchase at any moment. And, and those companies tend to be vertically integrated operating companies. So you often hear of, you know, a, a multifamily REIT, an office REIT, um, and those are really operating businesses that buy real estate. They are traded on the stock market. Uh, and if, from an investment perspective, they're highly correlative to small, small cap stocks um, and, and quite volatile. So from an asset class in your portfolio, while they can be a great tactical investment and over time they have produced very strong returns, um, from a perspective of how it can benefit your portfolio, it's quite different than private real estate. On the other hand, private real estate, we are we are directly investing in properties. And you know, I talked a little bit about themes and what we're looking for, but we are working to create a diversified portfolio, you know, in this case across the United States, with tactical themes that we we want to overweight to. Again, multifamily apartments, industrial warehouse, life science. Um, and we really curate a portfolio with a focus on how each asset's income stream is going to create you know, a, a more diversified portfolio and what that's going to do. So it's kind of fundamentally quite different on the public versus private, not only how it is, acts in your portfolio, but also you know, how we think of a portfolio and how we create portfolios. And then importantly, on the valuation side, obviously publicly traded REITs are valued by the marketplace and the stock market. Um, and again, that's why it's highly correlative to the S&P 500 and, and small cap stocks. Versus our real estate, as I said, we have a third party appraiser value every asset every month. And so we do strike a daily share price, as I, as I mentioned. We accrue mm -hmm. income. So we know we have we have a buildings that are leased to tenants. We know how much rent they're going to pay every month. So we basically divide that rent by the daily amount, accrue that to the share price. And then every month we get every asset fully appraised. And when those values are finalized, that goes to the share price. And so you really know in our fund that every day that you could potentially invest or at, when you, you tender at, on the quarterly basis, that the fund is being traded at its net asset value that we've calculated through that, that third-party appraisal process. Process. Is that helpful? That is helpful. And then, I mean, the follow-up question there would be, so, you know, if you look at one of the themes that that the publicly traded REITs talk about is that, that there is this, if you, if you look at, for example, like the NARIT index and compare it to like the Odyssey index, there's this gap either in, in valuations in part because of what you just talked about, like how the publicly traded REITs are 
are marked to market every day and the 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 what the components of the odyssey index are in a different timeline and that they say that you know there's going to be this convergence between those two points so where does your value how does like the valuation process that you're doing relate to the, like those things if that's if that's possible to to you know flesh out sure so the publicly traded reads and there's a firm called Green Street that tracks those values. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear that they do their best to strike what they think is a net asset value, essentially, of those publicly traded REITs. And you'll talk about whether the share price is trading above or below their NAV. And that's pretty common uh, lexicon in that space. Yeah. So to, to that point, there, there there is an NAV there, and the market is somewhat overvaluing or undervaluing the assets compared to that based on the speculation of, of interest rate changes and what's happening in the greater economy and marketplace. Um, and, and so when people you know mentioned publicly traded REITs are down more than private real estate since the, say the beginning of 2022, um, I'd first point out that publicly traded REITs were trading above NAV when, when interest rates were, were very low and capital was free flowing, the market was, was speculating that could trade above their NAV. So when when you look at the shift, they went down, they passed their NAV, and now they're trading below their NAV. It's important also to understand, and I know you've spent on the last few podcasts talking about different sectors. So you have to pull out office REITs from apartment REITs, right. from, from warehouse REITs as well, because there's very different trends and fundamentals behind those two. But you know, today, all publicly traded REITs are trading below their NAV. And as you know, and you mentioned the Odyssey, which is the open-end diversified core equity funds, with, with rates going up, we have seen values uh, moderate and and turn negative as a whole, including you know office and asset classes. Um, so you know I, I think there is some predictive nature to where the publicly traded REITs go, but it certainly overreacts, and it's not a perfect prediction, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's really helpful. Yeah, and I think you know that's definitely a big theme for me recently, as well as just is. You know, looking at some of the mainstream business coverage and some of the talk about like commercial real estate as this collective thing that is either going to go up or down and completely kind of sanding away all the nuance and the fact that like real estate has got tons of different uh, markets and tons of different property types and tons of different quality, lots of different quality, even within each of those property types. And so I think it gets a little... Uh, fuzzy when people talk about like like some of the stuff that just looks at all of the commercial real estate, the value of the overall market and the value of, of all the debt and just makes these projections that just kind of elide the fact that this is a business that's got a lot of different things going on. And actually it's times like this where it seems like it's really helpful to have folks who are experts who can really navigate like what navigate investors through these you know, what, what, where different property types might be in the cycle and what markets and all this sort of things. I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? A hundred percent correct, um, right? Real estate's quite simple. It's about supply and demand um, and, and demand trends are very different for apartments versus warehouses versus office versus retail. I mean, a good example is see, look how retail demand changed from, you know, 
I think we're of a similar vintage and growing up with the mall dominating and I, we both studied architecture, right? And I we yes. were, <laughs> looked at new urbanism and other things. And so if you look at the, the history of the mall and how, and how the history of retail has changed, I think you're seeing now that happening with office space. You certainly do have to pull apart each of the different asset classes uh, to understand what those demand fundamentals are and then what the supply is as well, right? So supply is partly constructing new buildings. So how much new housing has been built? Uh, it's actually very low on a historical level, really, since the global financial crisis. What's going on in the warehouse sector? You know, demand has just fundamentally completely shifted based on those shopping trend trends, but also based on, you know, the infrastructure bill and, and onshoring of manufacturing and the decoupling of China. There's so many trends that have shifted warehouse demand and and you know warehouses used to be these simple buildings that were just you threw stuff in and mm-hmm. and now they're part of these you know incredibly complex global logistic changes i think it's really important to understand both those supply demand fundamentals um, on the office side, you know, which where you hear a lot of the noise and a lot of that noise is valid. Um, in that case, there is not a lot of new supply coming on, but the demand has completely shifted. And 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 the demand not only has shifted of you know where people want to be and and how they want to work, but in what they want in an office building. Because even in markets like New York, um, which which there's been articles recently about you know the amount of vacant office space in that market. At the same time, that's happening. Some of the newer office buildings in some of the you know newer locations are are getting some of the highest rents ever and are very healthy. So again, it it really it's really about understanding supply and demand and and really pulling that apart. And to your point, the sectors are very different, particularly today. And actually for the first time in you know my career, the returns of each sector have really pulled themselves apart as well. It's quite interesting to see how that has happened too. So yeah, there's a couple like thoughts here. I mean, one is just how reflective is is what we're talking about of the of the kind of conversations that you're having with investors. I I mean, it's it's highly reflective in the sense first trying to understand what private real estate can do for a portfolio and how if you look at historically particularly how institutions have invested and how private real estate is, you know, five to 10% of those portfolios and private real estate can improve the risk adjusted returns of a portfolio and how that could be a strategic allocation. What what are the differences between public and private, you know, a big conversation we have, but then, but then the the next step comes into why invest in real estate today, Mm -hmm. um, especially given potentially some of the headwinds we spoke about. And then, we try to talk about well there are headwinds in certain sectors but there's actually tailwinds in other sectors and and additionally with the dearth of capital on the lending side you know we in particular on Clarion Partners Real Estate Income Fund have been able to switch our strategy to borrow less lend more and while we are an equity fund overall we've always had a component of lending in the fund and we've been mm-hmm. finding very compelling debt investments these days which have very income uh, income components and and that ability to be nimble and switch our strategy has been a big plus as well. All of these conversations we've been having are essential to conversations we have with investors to understand what real estate could do to a portfolio, the different types of real estate there are, and then what the noise you're hearing in the space, what, what of that is is valid and how do you sort of invest through that are, are really key topics. So another question here is, okay, so, you know, everything we're talking about, how do you go about sourcing investors and talk and, and 
informing wealth advisors and individual investors about what you're doing? What, what's that? What is that process like? It's a great question, and, and importantly, Clarion as a firm. We've been around for 40 years, but we recapitalized ourselves around six years ago um, and brought, at the time, Leg Mason, now Franklin Templeton. Franklin Templeton purchased Leg Mason a few years ago um, in as a partner. And, and importantly, we strategically were looking at our investor base and how do we diversify our investor base as a firm. Um, and so to bring in a partner that had really independent investors, and they call them specialty investment managers, similar to Clarion, um, yet yet had this access to a different investor base was was essential to being able to launch a fund like Clarion Partners Real Estate Income Fund and be successful. So Franklin Templeton over the last few years has created a section of its business called Franklin Templeton Alternatives. Um, and they've actually mm-hmm. really invested in a few other platforms. Um, we have sibling investment managers like Lexington Partners, Benefit Street Partners. And now that firm has over 200, $250 billion of assets in the alternative space under management. And that was really key to being able to access these channels. So we focus on registered investment advisors, the independent broker dealers, and then there's the, the wirehouses as well. And those are all the key sort of distribution channels. And it's really working closely with them to expand um, access to individuals to be able to get this in their portfolio. And yeah, I think it gets to an interesting question, which is just, um, you know, the rise of alternatives in general and the idea that there's a place in, if not every investors, at least many investors should be thinking about perhaps having some kind of allocation outside of the traditional 60-40. Yeah, I mean, the 60-40 portfolio did well for a number of years um, as where H low and stocks were performing well. But I think particularly last year with both the the 60 and the 40 down fairly significantly, um, I think it's really begun to highlight the importance of diversification in a portfolio. I mean, I think that's always an important co- component, right, is to have diversification and then make that, if you can find an asset class that again has those lower correlations, low volatility, yet still has you know relatively strong total returns and as an asset class and and um and income it's it, it's really important to to bring alternatives and other assets into a portfolio you know if appropriate for your current situation right so people obviously need to work with their advisors to understand what their needs mm-hmm. are but but from a por- portfolio you know theory uh, certainly when I was in business school, right, it was, that, that was the always idea was how do you improve your efficient frontier? And, and mathematically speaking, adding the Odyssey, which is the benchmark that you spoke about, again, that's the open and diversified core equity funds, which are the large institutional private, private, private real estate, private, private funds that does improve your efficient frontier. And, and again, our goal here was to create a product that's similar to allow that for the individual investors portfolio. I think from a portfolio theory, that is why institutions have had real private real estate as a fairly solid component of their portfolio. Um, and if you think of alternatives, you know, you talked to, uh, there's, there's credit, um, there's mm-hmm. private equity, mm-hmm. there's hedge funds. Um, and, and so I think real estate is really the third largest asset class. Mm-hmm. Um, and 90% of behind stocks and bonds and 90% of real estate is owned in the private space. So, you know, it's a, it's a large, deep space um, that if you're going to kind of go into alternatives, you know, real estate can make, could make sense as the first sort of four-way uh, into the alternative space from a portfolio perspective. Well, I've taken up a good amount of your time, so I think probably a good time to wrap up. But if you had any 
Well, just a couple of things. If you had any final thoughts that you wanted to kind of just tack on, and also if folks are interested in reaching you or finding out more about the fund, if you could just uh, let them know that. Great. So first, uh, thank you, David and, and Eric. It's great to spend time with you. I think importantly, uh, we we believe that you know Clarence Partners Real Estate Income Fund is a, a great tool to access private real estate. I think you know in the short term we see the the debt opportun- opportunity to be compelling. That is something we've been able to take advantage of. To your point, not all commercial real estate is the same. And so we have conviction around the multifamily apartment sector, industrial warehouse sector, life science. And, and I think you really have to understand the difference between the, the sectors that we spoke about. Um, and importantly, you know, I find this asset class to be very exciting. Again, you know, our, our backgrounds are similar and, and um, the idea of investing in, you know, a fixed durable asset in a dynamic world is, is exciting. And, and it's, it's, creates, you know, opportunity to see all these changes that are happening and, and to be able to work on trying to understand where the world is headed and, and how we marry these two things is is always exciting for me. And, and it's always fun to talk about it. So thank you for having me. As for getting into contact with me, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so Richard Schaup and Clarion and happy to, to respond to you there. Um, and then it's, uh, it's Clarion Partners Real Estate Income Fund has a website www.cpreef.com, C-P-R-E-I-F. Um, so great to learn about that there and um, you know, happy to connect with you on LinkedIn and get to know you. So thank you so much. Great. And I'm just going to add one little postscript here, which is you know, what Rick and I discovered before we got on the podcast is that we were both architecture majors. So I think you mentioned that, but I just, for the audience to understand what you were referencing there, but that, and we were both uh, architecture majors at schools that are now in the ACC. So, but we, now we ended up in the real estate world. So that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for speaking about our, our connection without explaining it. Thank you. No, that's good. All good. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Well, this makes a lot more sense, guys, because uh, with with the architecture background, you guys built a great podcast. I know that's a terrible pun. I don't know if that works, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, you guys did a great job. Tons of great information. Rick, thank you so much for being on the show. David, of course, thank you for facilitating this, um, running the show and, and bringing on great guests. Uh, David, I wish you the best of luck on your move. We'll be talking. I'm I'm pretty sure we'll talk before then, but just in case, good luck on the move and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Uh, and our last thank you, of course, always goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at WMRE, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WMRE or Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 